Peter's Confession of Christ. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do, you, who do people say the Son of Man is? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked. Who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus replied, Blessed are you, son Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by man, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you, Peter, and on this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loose in heaven. Then he warned his disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Christ. In chapter 18, verses 12, What do you think? If a man owns a hundred sheep and one of them wanders away, will he not leave the ninety-nine on the hill and go to look for the one that has wandered off? And if he finds it, I tell you the truth, he is happier about that one sheep than about the ninety-nine that did not wander off. In the same way, your Father in heaven is not willing that any of these, these little ones should be lost. If your brother sins against you, Go and show him his fault, just between the two of you. If he listens to you, you have won your brother over. But if he will not listen, take one or two others along so that, they, so that every matter may be established by the testimony of the two of the three witnesses. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen even to the church... Treat him as you would a pagan or a tax collector. I tell you the truth. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you lose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Again, I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything, you ask for it. It will be done for you by by Father in heaven. And where two or three come together in my name, there I am with them. This is the word of the Lord. Great. Great. Well, good morning, also from me. We're doing a series on membership, as you've heard. Uh, It's topical, so uh, we will look at this passage in Matthew. It's a very important passage, but uh, yeah, uh, it's a topic. Uh, just to say, today's passage is probably out of the membership series, the one that is probably the most new, and maybe the thing that, uh, yeah, uh, maybe some people find contentious. So let's look at what God says. Uh, sometimes God says God, God says things that maybe we don't, uh, yeah, we don't like to hear. But actually, I hope by the end of today we'll see. Yeah, this is right. This is good. Actually, yeah, membership makes so much sense. Let's uh, pray that uh, we would listen. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for what you say. Thank you for the church. Just pray that uh, we'd listen carefully and we would see how good you are. In Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Well, today, 
uh, the topic, as you can see on the screen, who speaks for Jesus? Who represents Jesus? Who has the right to speak for Jesus? The thing is, if you're a Christian, the Bible says you're an ambassador for Christ, right? You are an ambassador. When people see you, they will make a judgment about Jesus, don't they? Because you're a Christian, you belong to Jesus, and the kind of person you are, well, it it reflects on Jesus. It's a little bit like uh, the White House press room. Uh, You know this uh, room? Uh, When uh, the White House makes an announcement, uh, someone stands here and they say that, uh, okay, we're going to go to Iraq or whatever. Uh, um, This person here represents the White House. Well, if you're a Christian, it's like you're standing there, but not just for the the president or the White House, but for Jesus, the King of Kings. If you're a Christian, you're an ambassador. The only thing is, uh, yeah, what does that look like? I guess we've sung today about God being holy, Jesus being holy. We've seen in 1 Peter, you know, uh, dear friends, I urge you to, to fight against sin and to live such good lives among the pagans. After all, be holy because I'm holy. Uh, uh, as Christians, I guess we, we want to be like Jesus. We want to be holy so that people will see that, that Jesus is holy. Of course, if we are not holy, well, they will think, well, Jesus is not holy. That makes sense, right? We want to be a holy people, a holy community. And the problem is, well, often we're not. Isn't it? Uh, Mahatma Gandhi, he famously said, I like your Christ, but I don't like your Christians. Your Christians are so unlike your Christ. Uh, Is that true? Are Christians so unlike Jesus? Well, of course, Christians sin. We, We still sin. That's okay, but... Are we really so unlike? Well, yeah, with some people, yes. But uh, take, well, it's in the news, it's on the screen. Let's think about uh, Donald Trump. I'm not talking about whether he's a good president or whether he's a better candidate than Clinton or something. But um, uh, Mr. Trump claims to be uh, a Christian, right? That's what he says. He says, I'm a Christian. I'm a really good Christian. I I, I hardly ever need forgiveness. But the thing is, does he represent Jesus? Do you want people to look at Donald Trump and and say, yeah, that's what a, a Christian looks like. This is what Jesus is like. I guess most of us would say, oh, some of the things he says, some of his policies, no. And we would say, well... Well, I'm not sure if he's a Christian, right? Well, he may say he is, but I I don't think he's a genuine Christian. I I guess we want to say that, right? With a lot of people. I'm from, uh, yeah, I lived in the UK. 70% of people in the UK say they are Christians. 70%. Usually because they they think I'm a nice person living in a Christian country. But we want to say, no, look... That is not a Christian. That's not a real Christian. We want to be able to say that because, well, because of this. You have so much, it's so important whether you're a Christian or not because of the witness. And so, yeah, just like with this press room, not anyone can go up here, right? Only a genuine spokesman for the White House can come and say yes, uh, can say things. I can't go there. Yeah, get a, go to America and stand there and say, guys, no new Texas. I'm not allowed to do that. 
we want to say, no, no, only authorized people. And in a way, we want to do the same with Jesus, right? It would be nice if there was a badge that, okay, I'm a real Christian, I'm allowed to represent Jesus. And if you don't have the badge, well, yeah, you don't represent Jesus. That would be helpful, isn't it? That would be really helpful to have that. Now, in the past, it was easy, before Jesus. I mean, who were God's people then? It was Israel. And so you had to go to a certain country. There were a certain people who looked a certain way. They were God's people. But the thing is now, anyone can say they're a Christian, right? We look the same as everyone else. Everyone in the world can say, yeah, I'm a Christian. I believe in Jesus. It's so easy. How can we, well, say, okay, this is a Christian and this is not? How can we do that? Well, the answer in the Bible is that the church... The local church has the, well, the, the right, the authority to say that. To say, okay, this person looks like a Christian, this person doesn't. That's what we're going to look at. Uh, the way they do it is membership. So why don't we go to the, the first point, the authority of the church. And that's, uh, yeah, the first point. Now, we read these two passages in Matthew. Question for you. What do these two passages have in common? Yeah. Sorry, Karen? Yeah? Yeah, that's right. They both have the same verse. Eh? What you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. What you lose on earth will have been loosed in heaven. There's actually another similarity. These are the only passages in the four Gospels where the word church is mentioned. The word church, it's a lot in the letters, but in the Gospels only here. It must be important. But it's this, this binding and loosing. Well, what is binding and loosing? It's about making judgments. Yeah, if, uh, I guess, a Jewish rabbi, does this law apply to a person, yes or no? They would make that decision. They would make that judgment. It would be called binding and loosing. And so the, the church, or Peter, they are to do binding and loosing. And it seems to be, well, delegated authority. Eh? Because it says, uh, Peter, what you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. What you loose on earth will be, bound, will be loosed in heaven. I give you the keys of the kingdom. Eh? So it's about Jesus. Eh? That's in heaven. But there's people on earth who do binding and loosing. And that binding and loosing on earth, well, is reflected in heaven. Not quite sure which comes first, but uh, what you bind on earth, bound in heaven. I mean, if I give someone the keys to my house, I'm saying kind of, okay, you take care of my house. Right? I delegate in charge of my house to that person. And Jesus gives the keys to the kingdom. And he says, okay... You can do the binding and loosing. And what you do here on earth is reflected in heaven. Now, first of all, who is this given to, right? The keys of the kingdom. Because it talks about Peter, and I guess the Roman Catholic Church says, well, that's Peter as the first pope. But actually, chapter 18, there's no pope inside, right? Chapter 18, yeah, someone sins, and you go and talk to them, and if they don't listen and etc., etc., and you tell it to the church. That's just a local church, just a group of people like us. 
And it is those people who do the binding and loosing, right? In verse 18. Those people, what you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. How does it fit then with Peter? Well, in a way, in chapter 16, Peter is the church. I mean, think about it. What has just happened? No one so far in Matthew has any idea who Jesus is. Uh, Jesus has come. He's done all the miracles. Uh, No one has a clue. And he asks, what do people say I am? Well, Elijah, a prophet, whatever. But then Jesus asks, what about you? Who do you say I am? Verse 16, Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus says, blessed are you. You've got it. So Peter almost is the first Christian, the first person who gets who Jesus is. And then he says, okay, on you I'll build my church. It's like Peter is, is, is yeah, the first church here. And, yeah, that you see that with the kind of, okay, so, so, so what? What is the binding and loosing? Well, if you go back to chapter 18 again, because it's so clear, what is this binding and loosing about? Well, someone who sins and really doesn't want to give up their sin, ultimately, verse 17, well, if they refuse to listen even to the church, treat them as you would a pagan or a tax collector. In verse 15, they were brother or sister, but verse 17, treat them as you would a pagan or a tax collector. And that is an outsider, right? In a Jewish context, a pagan is someone who is outside the people of God. A tax collector is a traitor. They're outside the people. So this binding and losing in chapter 18 is about, well, making a judgment. We don't think you're a Christian. You don't want to give up your sin. Ultimately, we don't think you're a Christian. And in verse chapter 16, it's the opposite, right? Jesus says, you are a Christian. And then he gives to Peter, okay, now you do this. It's welcoming and, well, church discipline. I hope that makes sense. It's like the church, yeah, the church has the right to say, this person is a, yeah, we think this person is a Christian. We think this person is not. If you don't think so, what does this passage mean otherwise? Tell me. I think we, we need to understand this. The church doesn't make someone a Christian. The church just recognizes someone. It, yeah, it affirms someone's profession of faith. Someone says they believe, and the church says, yeah, we agree. We think so. But it is a kind of recognition. And I think it's like an embassy. So I claim that I'm a Dutch citizen, right? It's not just because I'm tall and I've got a funny accent and a, a strange name. No, <laughs> I was born there. But how can I prove that? I can't just, I can, I, every, anyone can say that they're a Dutch citizen. But if I go to the embassy and the embassy, they check things out and they can tell me, yeah, that's right, you're a Dutch citizen and they give me a passport. And I can show that passport and say, look, I'm really a Dutch citizen. They don't make me a Dutch citizen, but they kind of, they they recognize me, right? They they affirm, yes, this person is a Dutch citizen. Or if they think, no, you're not, they won't give me a passport. Does it make sense? And in a way, that's what the, the church does. The church almost 
gives you a passport. I think we see that with baptism the most clearly, right? Baptism. I'm not talking now about baby baptism. Just an adult believer. Can you baptize yourself? What do you think? Uh, you read, go and be baptized, and so you go to Wukaisa Beach and you jump in. <laughs> I'm baptized. Is that baptism? No, it's a church thing, right? It's not just you declaring your faith, but the church baptizing you and saying, we welcome you into the Lord's family. It's the church welcoming you. And, and yeah, they, they have the right to do that. You don't have the right to just baptize yourself and say, I'm a, I'm a Christian. The church does it. And even if you come to the church, I guess you'd expect them to ask you some questions, right? If you come to church, I want to be baptized. Do they just say, yeah, go ahead? Or do they say, oh, so you're a Christian then? No, no, I just needed to get my child to a single boy school. Well, no, we're not going to baptize you, right? It's about being a Christian. And so for the church then to say, sorry, we won't baptize you, I think we all agree that's normal, right? For a church to be able to say, we'll baptize you or not, they have that authority. Well, that is saying whether someone is a Christian or not, right? It just, this is about an ongoing thing. Not just a one-off thing at the beginning, but an ongoing, yes, you're a Christian. That is, uh, yeah, what the church should do. And that is membership. It's not just being baptized 20 years ago. Does that mean you're a Christian now? Sadly not. Sadly, there's people who were baptized 20 years ago and they've wandered away. It's a one-off thing. You need something ongoing, just like my passport from 40 years ago with a nice baby photo that doesn't prove I'm a Dutch citizen now, right? You need something ongoing. And that is membership. Membership is a church saying, yes, this person is a Christian. I'm a citizen of Jesus' kingdom. At a church, heaven on earth, an embassy. And that protects the witness of the church. Now, before we look at it in more detail, I think this is quite humbling, isn't it? We are quite individualistic. We think, well, it's just between me and God. Yeah? Uh, you know, whether I'm a Christian, you know, it's me and Jesus. Well, it's, if it's up to Jesus, what has Jesus done? He's delegated that to the church. How does Jesus say you're a Christian? Or through the church. But, but it's not up to you. You can't define who you are. You can't just say, yeah, I'm a Christian, and it's up to me. Just like I can't show up at the airport and say, I'm a Hong Kong permanent resident. That's not up to me. I can't just say, I identify like that. But actually, membership, it makes a lot of sense. Maybe you think the church authority, that sounds, I thought we're just a group of nice people worshipping. But actually, if you think about membership, it makes so much sense that that is your passport as a Christian. First of all, think back two weeks ago, right? Church is who you are. There's no Christian, in a way, without a church. The church is the the people of God. Now, imagine a village of a thousand people. There's only one church, and all the other towns are far away. All Christians in that town go to that church. And everyone knows that. Okay, there's one church, and all the Christians go there. Imagine there's a man in that town that he says he's a Christian, but he doesn't go to that church. 
What do you think? Would, you, would everyone think he's a Christian or would he be a bit suspicious? My guess is he'd be suspicious because, look, all the Christians go to church, that church and you don't. Right? Being, going, being part of a church almost, yeah, it's part of being a Christian. If you don't, you don't look like a Christian, right? So that membership is your passport makes sense. On the other hand, here's a woman and she hears the gospel, she believes, and she starts going there. And she joins the community. It looks like she's become a Christian because she goes to church. It makes so much sense that being part of a church identifies you as a Christian, right? And if the guy says, yeah, they, uh, I can come to the services, but I can't vote and I can't take the Lord's Supper because I've got a, I've got an, I'm having an affair. Yeah. <laughs> that makes sense, right? It makes sense that membership is your, uh, your passport. Or think about last week. Yeah, a church is people who look after each other spiritually. And people who oversee each other's discipleship. Who do you think is best placed to say something about your Christian life? It should be your church, right? If you want to say, well... Am I really a Christian? Maybe you struggle with that, right? You see that White House press room? Can I speak for Jesus? Am I a Christian? Well, if you have a group of 10 people and you worship together and you pray together and they know you, they know your life, you study with them, if they think you're a Christian, that means something, right? Actually, being part of a church, being part of such a community, yeah, they, they can speak for you. It's like a, a job interview, right? You put down references. Hey, am I really this kind of person? Well, here's a few names. Call them, ask them, and they can tell you. Membership is like that. Am I, am I a Christian? Well, ask my church. They know me, and they can say, yeah, I'm, yeah they think I'm a Christian. I hope that makes sense, right? These are the people who, who know you, who love you. <laughs> They, it's right that if they accept you as a Christian, well, that's, yeah, that you are a Christian. Of course, people make mistakes. People can be deceived. I mean, ultimately, we can't see into people's hearts. But, yeah, someone, if someone's in your small group and they, they seem to be a Christian, right? That, that makes sense. Of course... This is very natural and organic, right? Being part of a small group. Um, should you do it uh, formal? I think Sundays are a mixed crowd, actually. Uh, here on Sunday, there's all kinds of people. Christians, but also people who are exploring. Which is kind of nice, because church should be a place like that. However, that kind of dilutes things, isn't it? Just coming here on Sunday doesn't make you a Christian. So actually... To actually say that, okay, within the church, yeah, all kinds of people on Sunday, but, you know, these people are members and these people aren't. They are still exploring the Christian faith. That makes sense. Yeah. It's exactly because we're a welcoming church that we need some kind of membership. But I, I hope you can see that. Membership is, is the right way to say, yes, I'm, you're a Christian. And so, yeah, be a member. <laughs> Right? You, you see this, and Jesus gives the church, uh, this group of Christians, the authority to say, yeah, 
this person is a Christian. We affirm your faith. It's a good thing. It should give you assurance that, yeah, I'm part of a church and they think I'm a Christian. That should be assuring. And so God's plan for you is to be a member, to be part of a group of Christians and to be involved. Because formal stuff doesn't mean much, isn't it? It's about the relationships, ultimately. So actually, you need to be known by others. You need to be in relationships with other Christians. Christians need to, you know, you open up, and they open up to you, and you see each other's life, and you share, and you pray together, and you study together, and you worship together. That is when eh, they can say whether you're a Christian or not. If you just come here on Sunday, and you, you sit here, and you go out, and you have a drink, and you go home, no idea. I had that in my previous church. There was this guy, yeah, he came... And he went out after the service, never spoke to anyone. I didn't even know his name. And then at some point he came to us and said, can you write a reference that I'm a Christian? What should I say? Sorry, I don't know you. I don't have a clue. Yes, you come here, but I don't know. Frankly, I mean, what would you do? Would you say, yes, you're a Christian because you come here on Sunday? There's plenty of people who come to church because they think going to church makes you a Christian rather than trusting in Jesus. Going to church doesn't do it. So, yeah, I couldn't say he's a Christian. Again, this is not... The church doesn't make you a Christian. But for Jesus' witness in the world, he likes people to... Well, he wants, likes. We should be together. We should be in each other's lives together. We should be a community. And that is how how we are his representatives in the world. And I think that's a good thing. It's not easy in Hong Kong. We're busy. We don't have much time. We have links groups on Sunday because it's so hard to see each other during the week. It's a challenge to really do this. But I hope we want to do this because we think it's, it's good. I mean, the past few weeks, don't forget those. You want people to look after you spiritually. But actually, it has an important witnessing function. Okay, and then finally, I guess you may wonder, because it was in the reading, how discipline fits in. I mean, discipline is, uh, yeah, Matthew 18, where the church finally has to say to someone, look, we don't think you're a Christian. That's what it is. It's not punishment, it's just that the church says, we don't think you're a Christian. Now, in a way, I hope it never comes to that. It's it's, it's not something very common, especially because it's such a long process. It starts with just, you know, someone sins. You see someone wandering off into sin, you go and talk to them. I mean, how do you want people to treat you? If you wander into sin, you want people to to say something about it, right? Because sin matters. Sin is dangerous. Sin destroys, uh, yeah, it destroys you, it destroys your witness. It just from Matthew 18, it's very clear that it's, it's not, I mean, it's a loving thing to do, right? I mean, it starts with the, the shepherd going after the sheep. It's not a shepherd who really wants to kick the sheep out of his fold. No, the shepherd wants to go after the sheep. 
to go to say to some someone something about sin is a loving thing. Uh, it's a long process. It's not if they sin, kick them out. No, no, talk to them privately. Uh, bring some others if they don't listen, etc. It's a long process. Uh, it's about repentance. It's not if they sin, treat them like a pagan. No, no, if they don't want to repent. Christians sin, non-Christians sin, everyone sins. The thing about Christians is that they repent. Yeah, Christians don't want to sin. We said it in the confession, we are truly sorry and we humbly repent. But if someone, they sin, you know, I don't know, they have an affair, they cheat at work, and they don't want to give it up. They don't want to listen to you when you tell them that it... Then at some point, after a long process, you have to say, sorry, the way you're living, I don't think you're a Christian. And that's a loving thing to do, to tell people the truth. But I don't really want to go there too much, isn't it? I mean, that's the end of the process. I hope we just as a church that you feel able to say to people who seem to be wandering into sin, look, that's dangerous. Uh, it matters. If we do that, then it will never come to discipline. But I want to finish positively. Look, membership is a good thing. It affirms you. It assures you as a Christian. And so in a moment, we're going to have the Lord's Supper. We talked about baptism. It's how you start your life in the church, how you become a member. The Lord's Supper is, in a way, the ongoing thing. When we share the Lord's Supper, we say to each other, blessed are you. I think you're a Christian. You're a Christian. We're Christians together. That's what we say when we share the Lord's Supper. That's why we say, if you're not a Christian, don't join it. So today, I mean, two weeks ago, I said, when you stand in the queue, look around. Smile at others. Today, I want you to do the same, but a more meaningful smile. And when it's people you know and you smile at them, uh, you're saying with your smile, blessed are you. God has saved you. And you're affirming their faith. And when someone smiles at you, they affirm you. They're saying to you, hey, we know you. We think you're a Christian. And that's a great thing. Right? So let's make this a corporate thing. Again, not just standing in the queue at welcome, but not just being a community, but affirming one another. Yeah? Affirming us together as Christians. That's what Jesus wants. The church affirms you as a Christian. It's important for his witness. And yeah, it's, uh, it's a wonderful thing for us to have. Now, again, lots of questions probably. Talk to me later. Talk to me, uh, send me an email, whatever. I hope you can see, though, that it's biblical. Great. We're going to sing a song and then have the Lord's Supper. We're going to sing the scandal of grace as we focus uh, on the cross. But also it has this line, oh, to be like you. And that's what we want as Christians. We want to be like Jesus.